Welcome to Obsessed with Design, a show about what makes designers tick. My name's Josh Miles. Today, we have all the way from Bologna, Italy, Gianluca Gimini, who's working on a very interesting project involving drawings of bicycles that we found on the internet that went uh, viral here recently. So I hope you enjoy our conversation with Gianluca. Be sure to hit up our website for all of today's show notes. That's obsessedshow.com. Also, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Obsessed Show, and I'm at Josh Miles. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Gianluca. All right, guys, today's guest enjoys working on projects that tend to cross the borders between product design, graphics, and illustration. From Bologna, Italy, Gianluca Gemini. Gianluca, thank you so much for being on Obsessed with Design. Well, thank you for having me there or here. (laughs) Well, we found you on the internet, as we do every now and then for your, um, what we've been calling the bicycle project, but, uh, Velocipedia. So let's talk about that project in particular. We just found that to be so striking. Tell us how that kind of came to be. Okay. So it happened really, uh, in a random way. I was speaking with a friend and we were of reviving some weird school time moments. And I had this, uh, epiphany, this thing I, I had removed of a poor kid in middle school who was questioned by the tech ed teacher. And he was doing really, really bad. He was on the verge of tears. So the teacher wanted to help him out and change the subject of the question and asked him to describe his bicycle. And the kid really panicked and couldn't make any sense of what he was saying. And I, I just remember this moment very clearly, the teacher saying, okay, but is the chain attached to the front or the back wheel? And the kid couldn't answer. So when I told this story, this was back in 2009 to this friend, he had a good laugh. And then he somehow started thinking of how a bike is made and wanted to try out the thing right then and there. We were in a bar and he picked up a napkin, his pen, and uh, turned out with a mess. So <laughs> we, we thought that was also pretty funny. And I just tried this on a few people, on a few friends in the following days, and then it became compulsive. I, I just started gathering drawings of bicycles, and most of them, I'd say, maybe, maybe I don't know, I gave percentages on my website. I just don't remember them, but a really, really high percentage of people doesn't get the drawing right. And that was the beginning of the project. So... um for those of you who haven't seen the project, we'll definitely link up to that in the show notes today. But it's it's what appears to be a bunch of images of actually produced. I'm guessing they're they're three dimensional uh, renderings, but they they appear to be real bicycles that are based off of all of these different drawings of bicycles that are uh, in short drawn the wrong way, <laughs> and then you're showing what it would look like if it were, were assembled. Yes. The only the only minor uh, correction is that they are actually 2D drawings. All this was made directly in uh, uh, two dimensions, starting from pictures that were, were very, very heavily edited by myself. And they are all based on the wrong with uh, 
you know, wrong is not a nice word. It doesn't have a positive value. And in this case, it should. It does have a positive value. We're based on the wrong drawings. Well, I I think they kind of come off as uh, <laughs> as delightful and charming, in spite of the fact that they're some of them are just physically things that wouldn't work. It's just how many people have you enlisted now to to dr- try to draw a bicycle and then you create their thing? Hundreds. Well, I, I don't create the thing from every drawing. I, I selected very few drawings that I considered uh, particularly relevant and interesting. Uh, hundreds. Uh, some were disqualified. I, I found people sometimes tend to feel embarrassment. So they screw up their drawing intentionally when they, they understand they're not getting it right. <laughs> and also, um, I, I don't want to claim I invented anything. I, I kind of accidentally discovered this test, but I later found out that it's actually something that psychologists and cognitive scientists uh, do. And there's also some literature. The cool thing about getting published on the internet so much in the last uh, few weeks is that people reached out and I received also a PDF called Science of Psychology, which is really cool. And it regards this thing, same thing, uh, more scientific point of view. And it, well, obviously it doesn't have the rendering part. Sure. Well, I think mostly for entertainment value for our folks from the US, I'd like you to pronounce, you know, I'm calling saying Velocipedia. How would you say that uh, if you're saying it in Italian? I would I tried to think of a name that would work both nationally and internationally. So Velocipedia, when I speak English, is the way I would say it. Or se stessi parlando italiano, direi Velocipedia. Excellent. Bonus points for that. Well, okay. So that's that's kind of what you're up to right this second. But um, tell us a little bit about your origin story as a designer and really how you got into the the world of design. Well, I'll, I'll just give you a few boring facts. You, you can cut all this out if your listeners might not consider this of interest. <laughs> oh, this is what the listeners want. Okay, so uh, I didn't know design actually existed when I graduated from high school. It wasn't really uh, a thing in my mind. Uh, I knew architecture existed, and I thought it might have been something really cool to study. So I found a university I thought might have been nice. That was in Ferrara. And I started studying architecture. I just found out I liked design better when I discovered that design existed. But I was getting along so well with all my friends in Ferrara and didn't want to change city because there was no design faculty at the time in Ferrara. And that's how I became, um, I don't know, kind of a, an underdog, like the only person with that interest in, in my uh, group of friends. And then I graduated with a final thesis thesis in design. I designed a vehicle. And that's what probably helped me get an actual job when I graduated in the field of design, which was the coolest job ever as a concept designer. Like the thing you imagine you you will be able to do when you're 45. I was doing it at 26 uh, for a studio in, in Shanghai. And then somehow after that experience, I got into knowing people that were in the field of communication, which I also uh, loved and ended up six months in a studio as a graphic designer ever, ever since ever. I mean, from, from school, so, sorry for my English. I, I know I'm getting some words wrong and whatever. Please, well, most please. of us get words wrong too. So I think it's, it's completely acceptable. Okay. Thanks. It's a second language for me. So please be 
pitiful. <laughs> I feel like um, somehow an amateur at everything and that an amateur that makes money. So a professional by <laughs> that makes very little money. I have to be honest. Come on. I have to be honest. But um, I'm a professional amateur and I have fun mixing a lot of different disciplines and where I just know I, I can't uh, reach a result technically. I have great uh, friends and acquaintances that are true professionals in other fields that can help out technically. So that would be my background. So your, your career has literally taken you around the globe. How do you, how do you feel like you've, um, <laughs> even as you say, an amateur who's getting paid, how have you landed these uh, international gigs and what's been the thing that's kind of propelled you from place to place? Um, well, that's a hard question. I don't know. Maybe it's in, in my DNA. My grandparents moved from Sicily to California and live, lived over half of their lives uh, over there. So it's, it's something that maybe I, I shouldn't see as so big if they did it in 1956. It, I, I really wasn't seeing it as a, a great big thing to do in 2009. Then the thing is that I got back to the starting point. And now I'm again in my small hometown, Imola, but that, um, you know, we have internet today. So that's what helped us get in touch. And <laughs> right. that's also what, what helped me get in touch with some clients, some international clients, such as a fellow Germany who had a very difficult name. I, I remember his name is Alex and I would like to credit him, but I forgot his last name. <laughs> well, maybe if you can send me his name later, we'll put that in the show notes too. <laughs> Super. So outside of just doing design and coming up with these, these cool little uh, self-guided projects, you're also a design instructor today. So maybe you can talk us through what a, what a typical day or week looks like for you. How much are you doing design versus how much are you teaching and how much are you in meetings or doing more administrative stuff? What's your, what's your um, workload look like these days? There is no standard within the year. I can have weeks or months in which I'm doing only one thing. I'm also a consultant. So at times I find myself working as a team leader inside of uh, another person's studios, inside big studios. And I might get uh, an assignment for a month row, and that means working 14 hours a day there. Uh, in other times of the year, I'm focused on academic work. So that means teaching, but also writing for magazines, papers, and all those publications you have to take care of if you want to have some sort of career in university. And I think it's the, the best part of, of my work, not, not knowing what next month will be like. And you said you're teaching a couple of different uh, classes currently? Yes, actually three classes. And the really cool part is I get to work with, it's a three-year course. I work with students in first, second, and third year. So, well, we really get to know each other well, which is good in a way and maybe bad in another way. Because uh, you end up being uh, maybe too much confidence with people that might be disappointed from their final mark. And that is uh, something that makes me feel sorry. It's inevitable. And I get to see them grow a lot throughout the courses. So I'm doing basic design, which is a discipline that was coded in Italy. Actually, it's not really coded, something that 
Giovanni Anceschi invented, and it's a series of exercises just with shape and color uh, to learn really uh, primordial skills in controlling the link between your brain and your hand. And that's a really cool course with a professor whose name is Jacopo Piccione. And in second year, it's a completely different thing. It's a design course, a laboratory course in which students have to design in a simulation in which they are designed for a stone related company. We have a lot of stone quarries in Italy and mm, mm-hmm. very, there's, there's a, an industry behind that. And that industry, industry is discovering design. Well, not, not like right now, but in the last 10 years, it has become something, it has become a thing. <laughs> so we were talking a little bit before the call about, um, I was asking you about your current side projects and I thought it was interesting how you talked about the, the lines tend to blur between what is client work and what are side projects. So what's, what's kind of your view on that? And do you have any other things that you would classify side projects going on right now? Well, I'd say personal projects can become client work or can spark client work. I'm seeing this with Velocipedia. Uh, I have gotten some requests for similar projects to work on as a creative director, I would say. Uh, so the, the lines are blurry. It's all, well, it's all portfolio. It defines who I am. It helps me get the kind of work I like to get. So I don't know how young your listeners are, but that is really something I would suggest to keep in mind what, what you loved doing and maybe limit your selection for your portfolio to, to the works that you both like, how they turned out and you would like to do more of. This is something I, I read uh, a professor from the U.S. said this with a graph. So this project that is really cool and really full of meaning, which is a communication project by Mitch Goldstein, which I read is an assistant professor of design at the Rochester Institute of Technology. And there's uh, a series of charts with very honest facts to visuals. And one that I really found meaningful was this one about what your portfolio should be. So the graph is an intersection between bubbles and one says the work you love. The other one says the work you loved doing. And then there's also a third bubble, which is what other people tell you should be portfolio. So eventually the advice would be don't listen to anyone, (laughs) but, but I'll take his advice and make it mine. Very nice. Maybe you could tell us a little bit. I'm I've seen some of your work on, on Instagram and on Behance. Tell us a little bit about your stacking project and how that sort of became a, a passion project for you. Of course, um, it's another kind of compulsive disorder project. I would uh, would be keen on admitting that, that I'm kind of compulsive, uh, which merges. You know, compulsive goes very well with obsessive. <laughs> <laughs> Does it? <laughs> Super. Uh, it's me. So I love flea markets. Markets are a source of material inspirations, a catalog, a catalog of products that are no longer in production and everything is rare. Everything is special in a flea market. I don't know if flea markets over there are like the ones over here, but 
it's for me, it's like going to the museum. And I have quite a few friends that have the same wicked hobby. Uh, and of course, you you end up buying stuff also, even though you, you always say you shouldn't. And this stacking product project helped buy very cheap things, very cheap, unworthy objects. Also, well, this might be a fun fact. Uh, I'm trying to collaborate with the biggest chain of flea markets in Italy because it's a franchising. So mm. instead of having a low cost, I might even have an income someday. But I don't know if they're up for some kind of project together. We're working on it. And uh, I was also inspired by a blog I saw, which is called uh, Things That Perfectly Fit Together. It's uh, maybe a Tumblr blog, something that was viral for a few days, like everything. And it was so fascinating and so um, obsessive and compulsive. <laughs> Odd things just fit perfectly one into the other. And uh, I-, I saw that you can seek also uh, some more uh, universal kind of beauty. Uh, soap bar fitting in a cigarette pack is something that maybe I get a kick out of, but not everybody. Uh, if you stack some cool pieces of uh, fine glass, different colors and shape, and you get the right proportions, it might seem like something that's very nice. And it's a metaphor for the job of the designer that with his bare intellect can turn something into something else of more value, but it's just a perceived value in, in this case. Well, I think you absolutely fit the name of this show with your your various obsessions. But uh, I'm curious what you feel like you are most obsessed with right now. I'm 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 thinking about it. Um, what am I most obsessed with right now is probably Instagram. I am also obsessed with going out of fashion and being old. That's why I. Uh, I love so much working with young students and I use so much their ideas, their work. There's really some impressive, impressive stuff coming from people that are almost uh, illiterate design wise. And uh, that's a pretty big obsession. Uh, I think many, many people have it. Many designers that are not 20 anymore have it. Maybe they just don't admit it. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I've uh, enjoyed and, had the opportunity to teach a little bit adjunct myself and I really, really love the opportunity and hope to get back into the classroom someday just for that inspiration. And in the meantime, I try to stop by and, you know, do a guest appearance or something once a semester, but it's, it's cool to see what all the the young design minds are working on. We should invite you for a workshop or some activity someday. That seems like a very, very good idea. Let's, let's make this happen. Let's keep in touch. We can do a we can do an episode uh, live from Italy. That that would be really really cool. We have change programs for teachers as well as for students, so it's uh, something that I would consider absolutely feasible. All right, guys, you heard it here. <laughs> so let's talk. Let's take a jump back and talk about self promotion for a little bit. Where where do you feel like um, your best projects or some of your best clients have? have come from? Do you feel like it's more of the posting things online and then people seek you out? Or do you do more um, outbound things to try to get on people's radar? I think it's uh, a, a tricky question because I'm in Italy and over here, I think things are very different from over there. 
So ex- except for Velocipedia, that really went viral worldwide. So that's a different thing. Things that maybe get seen more uh, nationally don't really bring to much. Uh, it really works like, um, uh, I'm sorry, by word of mouth, I, th- I think is what you say in English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, endorsements, recommendations. Uh, if you don't know some, they're not going to be really keen on working with you if there's nobody that introduces you. It's a very Italian thing. I mean, I know it, it kind of works like that everywhere, but in Italy, it's something really strong. Uh, so self-promotion is good for self-esteem, and that's why I recommend <laughs> But uh, a, a lot of your work then comes from these referrals and recommendations. Well, honestly, my my client work is not all that much. But yes, yes, especially what I did in graphic design is with small clients that either know me personally or are a second degree connection. Interestingly and sadly enough, that's how we roll. Uh, it wasn't like that with international clients because at at the moment, well, actually, since 2010, I've been in Italy. So whatever sparked uh, across country borders was not, not with first or second degree connections. Uh, I would really strongly recommend people to work on personal projects because personal projects make you more open-minded, more young at heart, less bitter. <laughs> Do you feel like you find, um, you know, I'd like to people ask people where they find inspiration, but it, it seems to me almost like you find inspiration within the project themselves. I'm curious where else you go or where you come up with, with ideas or inspiration. I think that a lot of things, uh, spark from puns, plays on words being, well, almost bilingual. I speak Italian a bit better than I speak English. Lucky enough. <laughs> I swear nobody's going to notice that Italian is your first language and English is second because it it sounds just fine. Okay, so I have the, the vocabulary of a six-year-old, so that's going to be terrible. But uh, no, that that's one thing. I don't. I think it's a uh, like a state of mind that's probably common to many people that are bilingual. And I think, I don't know, I think about funny things. A thing that inspired me in 2013 was that uh, terrible trend of beach selfies with your legs in the picture. <laughs> and I also think about cell phones a lot, also in a in a paranoid way, because cell phones are taking away so many objects that designers could design. We can't design cameras or maps or compasses. We can't design anymore because there's an app for that. And I'm not an app designer. So I have fun thinking about cell phone gadgets, gadgets such as Instalegs, which was this little thingy with a suction cup. And you put that on the back of your cell phone. So in the frame of the picture, you always have two little legs sticking out when you photograph. And it's kind of a prop, something Carrot Top would have used in his shows. I don't know if he's still around, (laughs) but I thought making an actual product and selling it an even funnier and I did it. <laughs> I love the meme that was going around related to that. That was uh, legs or hot dogs. Oh yeah. We had that. In- it was pretty great. 
tell us about one of your proudest moments as a designer. I was very proud that time I got to work with that Alex I mentioned earlier, that German company, because that sparked out of the randomest conversation possible. I had seen a coin box on the internet called Thesaurus, was like a, a piggy bank in the shape of a pig, and the slot for the coins were his nostrils. Also, Nando made a similar, more minimalist version of that thing with a nostril slots. But this one was shaped like a pig. And I wasn't really understanding how I was supposed to purchase the object. So I wrote an email to the, the person uh, behind the website. And this person instructed me. And a few weeks later told me, you know what? Uh, I'm not a designer. I'm just an agency. A client came asking to buy a few of these for as a corporate gift, but I can't. So I will have a design specifically made. And he asked me and a couple of other designers. So we had this small contest and it turned out his client was Germany's second biggest bank called BDR. So it was really something cool. And I have a little picture in, well, speaking by metaphor, a little picture in my, my wall, but actually it's in my PC. And I don't look at it all that much, but there's Angela Merkel holding my coin box in a ceremony. So that really proud moment. Very nice. Well, what about um, looking forward? Are there any dream projects that you'd like to tackle in the future? There are definitely. I would love sincerely, honestly, to do something with my students and some collective work like, uh, I don't know, some contest. I have ideas in my mind. I don't, I don't want to blow them. So, but I really got so much talent in these years that I, I want to work with these people, with everybody on something, maybe something small that we can all do Mm -hmm. together. I don't know. Maybe we will be able to speak about that in the future. I wish. Yeah. Sounds good. I think for most designers, the way we see the world and just from our our training, we look at things and see things differently than, than maybe most people. And, you know, for me in particular, I know there are certain things that drive me crazy when I see them out in the wild, things that are maybe designed oddly or designed poorly, or, you know, just things that drive me crazy. So I'm curious if you have any particular hangups or any particular design things that when you see them, it just makes you batty. Hmm, this is a very, um, Donald Norman thing. Uh, my, my son is screaming in the other room. I don't know if you can hear him. It sounds like he's doing a, a good job of it. <laughs> yeah, his his mom, my my wife is taking care of him, but that's the best he can do with his screaming. He can't control himself. I'm really thinking about what drives me nuts in design. I think I'll come up with a good answer maybe in a, in a few days, but eventually it'll be too late. <laughs> uh, I guess bad, bad instructions, but that that drives everybody nuts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe, um, you know, all of us have times that we get stuck or have a bad project or have a, a client relationship that doesn't go perfectly. Like if you have a situation like that, or you're just feeling maybe stuck on what to do next, how do you, how do you get yourself out of that? How do you kind of get past that? Well, I have my mentors. I have two great teachers uh, that 
I always look up to and I, I ask help from them. One of them is Piccione, who I mentioned before, and the other one is a completely different designer, which I don't know might even be known overseas. He's called Massimo Iosaghini, and his mentor was Ettore Sozzas. So uh, he, he's quite, quite well known, and well, he's also a very, very talented uh, person, designer. So I'm lucky enough to have people who I can ask advice, but well, when it's important, not like every week, but if it's <laughs> really important, there's someone that can help me out. And I hope there will be someone to help me out until I live awesome. or until I work. <laughs> do you, um, so in addition to your mentors, do you have any other design heroes or people whose work you've greatly admired or looked up to? I don't know. I'd say like the, the inventor of the water wheel or devices that save lives that that would be a hero uh designers that i look up to are very many uh i'm kind of focused to italian designers from the 60s it's it's something uh, i have a hard time going beyond as as far as saying uh, i have found someone that's better someone that i admire more so th those pioneers such as achille castiglioni his brother pier giacomo um Bruno Munari or Joe, Joe Colombo, who sadly lived only at the age of 40 or 42. Uh, I could give you more names, but those, those I, I'm sorry, this is not very international of me uh, <laughs> giving you only Italian names. Well, the awesome but, thing is, I think, uh, you know, guests that we have in the US, they're probably not going to rattle off a bunch of Italian designer names. So this is a great introduction for our audience to, to learn more about these guys. So I may, uh, track you down to make sure we've got all the spellings and links, right. To these Italian designers. So we can, uh, you know, show off what you guys are up to over there. Sure. Well, this is, I, I mentioned people that are all dead, so they're not up to much right now. These are the, <laughs> the masters, those that I, I really up to and that can't screw up anymore because they're not here anymore. To screw up. <laughs> So I could have just shut up and let people assume that I know who you're talking about. But now that I've opened my mouth and let on that I thought they were living, then it's obvious that I didn't recognize all those names. So excellent. Excellent. Um, all right. So shifting gears a little bit, if you weren't doing design and teaching design professionally, what do you, what else do you think you'd be doing? I would be enjoying a, a real salary. No, just a <laughs> I really cannot see myself doing anything else besides designing, being a consultant in project communication and teaching. I don't know. I maybe a comedian. <laughs> I, 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 I'd be trying to make money out of my stupidity and my twisted mind in some other way. I love it. So assuming it's, uh, you know, not doing stand up comedy, what do you think you'll be doing in 10 years from now? Uh, well, my plans for my university career are incredibly long-term plans. So hopefully I'll be in university one or two days a week for a long, long time. And I don't really know about the rest, but hopefully that's what I'm doing right now. Maybe with a few more clients, a few bigger clients. Or, or just the way it is now. I'd, I'd sign for that. Got it. So 
before we let you go here, you know, especially as a design instructor, I'm sure there's a lot of advice that you've heard in the university and a lot of advice that you give to your students. I'm curious if you could share one of the best pieces of advice that you've heard for designers. Ooh, I've heard a lot of interesting things and I have a hard time remembering what I stole from someone else and what I really said, what, what, what I was the first one to say. One thing that I think is really good to know when they graduate and they go into the world, as, as they say, uh, is that they have to be very humble. I don't know if the pronunciation is correct. Mm -hmm. That's right. But they also have to believe in themselves a lot because they, they won't get that much credit for when they do good. So it's two opposite characteristics that you have to have at the same time. And that's really difficult because based on, on the way you are, there will always be one that takes over. So you have to kind of dominate it and let the other one be 50%. That's great advice. And uh... don't know. I don't know if it makes sense. It made sense in Italian. Now that I say it in English, it <laughs> might sound No, I think that's great. That's great advice. So um, before we sign off here, tell us more about where our listeners can see all about Velocipedia and see more of your work and find connect with you online. I have a Behance page, which is good if you have a Behance yourself or, or not. And you go to www.behance.net and search my name, which is Gianluca Gimini. Uh, well, the spelling's too long. Maybe you'll, yeah, you'll leave a we'll, link. We'll link up to that. Okay. And I have a web page with my name. So it's GianlucaGimini.it. And that's where most things are. There's also this Instagram account called Gianluca Gimini LTD. There's the totems on the Instagram account. If, if you want to spend some more time looking at stuff, I do. Very cool. Well, we'll definitely share all of that stuff. And, uh, it's been fun chatting with you. Hopefully we can hang out sometime together at your, uh, university in Italy, but, uh, but until then, thanks for being on the show and thank you for being obsessed with design. Okay, kids, that is show number 18 in the books. Thank you so much for joining us for Gianluca Gemini. You can find all of today's show notes at obsessedshow.com. Also follow us on Twitter at obsessed show and I'm at Josh Miles. Obsessed with design is a product of the design obsessed team at Miles Herndon located 13 floors above Monument Circle in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Be sure to hit up our website for all of today's show notes. That's obsessedshow.com. Also, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Obsessed Show and I'm at Josh Miles. Check us out online at milesherndon.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.